John 19, 26-27 When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. You know, John is the only gospel writer who tells us that Mary, Jesus' mum, was at the cross. You see, each year around this time, she would have been in Jerusalem for Passover, a great festival where they would have usually met up with friends and relations and celebrated together. But this year was really different. She had probably been worrying about Jesus, hearing the stories and watching his ministry, proud of him, yet desperate for him to stay out of trouble with the authorities. And now, after all that fuss last weekend, with the donkey and the palms and all, it had all suddenly changed. And now Jesus, her boy, this dynamic rabbi and miracle worker with such a big heart, has been arrested, tried and condemned. And he is now dying on a Roman cross, humiliated and publicly shamed. She is absolutely gutted, heartbroken, having done all that had been asked of her and at such a cost for it to all come to this. Like any mum in that situation, she would have wept violently and in utter desperation. God, where are you? What is all this about? A life begun with visitors from the east with gold and frankincense and myrrh, myrrh for the dead. Then I wonder if she remembered the elderly prophet Simeon's words, who on recognising that Jesus was the Messiah had said to Mary, and a sword will pierce your own soul too, a way of warning her that suffering was coming. She had got friends with her, probably the same women who the other gospel writers mention, but we think that Joseph had probably died in the past few years, or he'd have been around too at the festival with her and her friends. And now, as Jesus hangs there in agony, he knows his mum's there. And he would have so loved to wrap her up in his arms, but his injured body stretched out on the crossbar wouldn't let him. He gazes in her direction, and then rather than calling her mum, uses a more formal address saying, Woman! which though to us might sound cold, was probably a way that he could ensure that his words would be understood as a formal statement which would ensure her future financial security under Jewish family law. You see, as Mary's firstborn, Jesus was legally responsible for her welfare. And ever reflecting his great heart, and even amid so much suffering, while he is dying, he makes sure his own mum is going to be looked after. And he entrusts her to John. You know, this is such a tender moment that we see here. And yet it's also very practical. And I'm sure that Jesus fully understood and fully understands the complexities of family politics. And he teaches us that while we must follow his call, we must also love and care for our parents and relations, whatever happens. And you know, when we get our priorities right, he will help us work out the practicalities in our family lives 
as happens here. So on this Good Friday, let's seek first God's kingdom and trust him with those we love. Let's pray. Lord, as we ponder these words, help us to know how to best support our nearest and dearest in this time of crisis. Sometimes, Lord, as you know, family can be demanding or difficult, vulnerable or ill, and we don't always know how best to help. So, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers for them and help us honour you as we seek to care for them and share your good news. Amen. Matthew 27, verse 46. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I wonder if you have ever felt utterly lonely, abandoned or forsaken. Have you ever been so desperate that you have screamed into the darkness, shouted into the wind, beaten the air with tears and anger, hopelessness and despair? That sense of utter aloneness, where you feel trapped and that no one can really see. Well, in this passage, we see that Jesus felt like that. He felt forsaken completely abandoned and desolate, shouting out into the darkness and hearing nothing but the echo calling back, you've forsaken me, forsaken me, forsaken me, me, forsaken, abandoned and so alone. The darkness thick with blood and pain, the stifling air rancid with tortured flesh and septic wounds and the only company, a cynic, and a broken neighbour about to leave this life. You know, as Jesus was dying, the records say that even the sun hid its light as three hours of oppressive darkness shrouded the blackened sky until Christ screamed his last words at the deepest point of his suffering. You see, while he hung there, feeling completely torn away from the joy that he found in his Father's presence, Jesus was bearing the sin of the whole world. He had become the scapegoat of Old Testament times on whom everything the community had done wrong was symbolically placed. He was also the Passover lamb, sacrificed to enable the people to make atonement for their sins. You see, although the Israelites did their annual sacrifices, which gave them a reminder of the fact that sin blocks our relationship with God and needs to be sorted out, the blood of animals couldn't really take away the root cause of the problem because sin is within human nature. In fact, each year after Passover, after the people's sins were forgiven, they just continued to sin, meaning that they had to come back and sacrifice again, year after year. Not even the high priest could help them because he himself was a sinner and the sacrifice was for him just as much as it was for the people. But then Jesus came as the only human being in all of history who was completely pure and sinless. Jesus was the only one who could stand in the gap between us and God, the only one on whom Satan had no claim. He was the only one who had not deserved death, either physical or spiritual. But Jesus voluntarily offered himself as the ultimate blameless sacrifice. And because of this, he was separated for a while from his beloved Heavenly Father as he bore the price of our sin. 
No wonder that he cried out in anguish, My God! My God! to the other members of the Trinity as the accumulated sin of the entire world was thrust on his sinless shoulders and the full force of God's anger at sin was heaped on him. We can't even imagine what it would have been like to go through this so as to open up the way for us to have that relationship with God. And yet deep inside, Jesus knew that God was going to do something amazing which ends and begins on Easter Sunday later in the Easter story. You see, devastating as it was, it was for this very purpose that Jesus was born. For as the Bible tells us in John chapter 3 and verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What a gift. What a cost. Thank you, Lord. Amen.